Give off to Taylor, jumps over the pile, into the end zone, yes sir! Touchdown, I-N-D-Y, Jonathan Taylor! And you're listening to Small Town Sports Talk. Hello and welcome to Small Town Sports Talk, brought to you by Endeavor Communications. It's been a little bit, but I'm Jonah Freeman, joined by Andrew Willett. Andrew, how are you today, man? Jonah, never been better. Uh, life is a bit crazy right now, so now it's uh, pretty nice to get away from that and really talk some uh, Colts football. And that's why we're, we are really excited to be joined by someone in his second season as the radio voice of the Indianapolis Colts and going up on like 10 years over there. You know, it was a sideline reporter. And so just really happy to be welcomed by Mr. Matt Taylor. Matt, thanks for joining us. What's up, guys? Good to be with you. I know we're pumped about a, a big game day coming up. So uh, looking forward to it. But first question, <laughs> we got to know what was the season what was the season with COVID-19 like as the voice of the Indianapolis Colts? Well, obviously it was a lot different. Um, it was, it was different, but the same, if that makes any sense, right? Because same in the sense that, you know, they still played every game. Uh, the Colts were one of the teams that were fortunate in that, you know, none of their games got moved around, you know, they weren't the Steelers, right. That were, they didn't have to play on a Tuesday or a Thursday and, you know, uh, they didn't have they, they everything was kind of the same. They got their bye weekend, um, but it was a lot different in that, you know, home games, the crowd was way down. So that kind of I won't say impacted the broadcast, but it it, it definitely um, it was noticeable. Right. Because just the I mean, the crowd is I mean, you guys know it. you guys do sports. I mean, the crowd is like the layer that if if you just listen to the crowd and, and kind of block out the radio play-by-play guy, you know what's going on based on the crowd if you just listen to that. So um, that was different. And then obviously for the road games, uh, we, we didn't travel this year out of, uh, you know, precaution with the health and safety of everybody on the crew. Um, so that was different. We, we, we did every game from Lucas Oil Stadium up in the control room. Uh, that's the room where they do all the jumbotron presentation stuff. So it was, um, it was cool because it was different. It was neat because I had never done it before, and so it was a challenge, and it was enjoyable because I think we got better at it as the year went on. And I like to think, as far as you know, I, I, you know, there's 32 teams in the NFL. I don't have an official number, but I would say, just throwing it out there, at least 30 of them. Uh, had to do it remotely the way we did it. And I like to think no one was doing it, you know, technically, uh, logistically better than we were. In fact, I had a lot of people reach out to me to try and copy our setup on on things. Um, so it was, like I said, it was enjoyable because it was new. It was a challenge. Uh, it was certainly different. That being said, I never want to do it again because I miss the old way. I love being at games. You know, I say all the time, travel is is travel kind of stinks. You know, everybody think, Oh, you're with the team and you get to travel and you know, travel is, it's not fun. Uh, you, you get home at late hours and you know, you're away from your family, you're away from, uh, life, um, and, and just getting things done around the house and, you know, just little stuff like that. But that being said, I mean, once you're at the game and you're in 
uh, a stadium full of 65,000 people losing their mind and you feel the adrenaline, you feel the rush and you're at an NFL game and, you know, it's a big game. Every game's a big game. Uh, there's no place you'd rather be. So I'm looking forward to normalcy in 2021. Hopefully we can get there or at least get close. Um, but uh, yeah, crossing our fingers on that one. And uh, but listen, uh, incredibly blessed uh, to, to be doing what I'm doing, because at the end of the day, like I said, it was a normal season in that we played 16 games. The prep was the same and um, it was just different in how we approached the uh, the actual execution of the broadcast. It was, in my opinion, as normal of a season as we could have had with COVID. And I, I mean, you mentioned it. I'm blessed as a Colts fan that I got to watch 16 Indianapolis Colts football games. Um, just overall, like, what are your thoughts and are you pleased with how the NFL executed their COVID plan throughout the season? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of pessimists out there at the beginning of the season. I mean, back in. Uh, especially like once the weather started to turn, like in late October and November, and you started to see, you know, there was that week, you know, a couple weeks uh, before Thanksgiving, everybody was like, you know, I, I just feel like we're like a week or two before the NFL is shut down and, and put on pause. And we never got there. And I think it's a testament to the players, the coaches, and everybody in the tier one and the tier two staffs across the NFL because, and we said this at the beginning of the season, the success rate of the year was totally going to be dependent on the players and the coaches to stay disciplined and make the sacrifices necessary to get this season in. And it doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, a lot of fans kind of roll their eyes and they say, well, you know, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars and, you know, they're, they're playing a kid's game. And yes, that's all true. hundred percent. But you know what? They sacrificed going to just down the street and go into a restaurant to get takeout order. I mean, they couldn't do anything. They literally had to go in. I mean, I, I joked at the beginning of the season that the, the 2020 season should be uh, sponsored by uh, Netflix and Grubhub because that's basically what they were relegated to as far as entertainment this year because they had to get tested every single stinking day, including the bye week. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't leave town in the bye week. They couldn't see friends and family during the holidays. And you just take all that stuff for granted. And they made a major sacrifice this year. Um, and, and, and again, it doesn't sound like a big deal because you're talking about guys that, again, get, are getting paid a lot of money. But uh, th they did make a lot of sacrifices so that us as a nation, us as sports fans, uh, could have something to look forward to every Sunday. And even though there, you know, for the most part, there wasn't uh, fans in the stands and it, and it didn't look normal outside of, the white lines within the white lines it was incredibly normal right i mean it was it still looked like football it still felt it felt like football the games uh, were just as meaningful and just as entertaining i thought the execution was just as good maybe maybe a little bit better because guys were fresher because they didn't have otas in the preseason and all that so i think there's something to be said for uh, how the season was executed and i think there's some things from this season that they're going to take and, and kind of pick and choose, you know, maybe there's some things from this year that they can use going forward. That's kind of taught us like maybe we didn't need to do this or maybe we can do less of that because obviously in 2020 um, we had to kind of cut those things by necessity and we still had good football. Yeah. I feel like I saw something about that recently where it was like, 
the NFLPA president or something was saying cut OTAs or cut some of those summer workouts. Right. Yeah. The NFL is the only sport where you have practice in the off season. You know, I mean, you're talking about just such a grind and such a, a physically demanding sport. It, it does make some sense, at least to kind of investigate that. How much do we really need OTAs? Right. I mean, we're, we're talking about a rookie class here that uh, did everything virtually. And for the most part, uh, we're able to kind of acclimate pretty quickly, depending on, you know, who you are, or what position you play. So, yeah, I think there's some stuff that's going to be uh, that's going to get axed. Uh, just because, you know, we, uh, again, we were able to kind of get through this 2020 pandemic season. Um, and, and, you know, you still had some, some stuff that uh, um, you, you had a season bottom line, you, you got the season in. And so we were kind of able to examine, do we really need to do all of this stuff between the months of April and mid June? Well, we want to get into the season real quick, but before that, I like just a real quick question. I want to know, how did uh, all of the protocols and everything affect your access with all of the players? Well, that, yeah, that was, I failed to mention that. That was probably the biggest thing that um, impacted the season, you know, working remotely uh, from the team. So I was, I've been home since, um, you know, really April of last year, uh, working remotely from the complex. And so that's a, that's a major change for me because normally I'm in the locker room every day, uh, talking to guys, interviewing players and, you know, going to press conferences and things like that. And so that was all done remotely, uh, through zoom. And that, that's what, that's one of the things that, you know, that's an example of what I'm talking about. Like, you know, from a media standpoint, yeah, we were able to get through it. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, going forward, if, like, you know, some days they compromise and they say, okay, we're not going to open up the locker room today. We're just going to do everything on Zoom. I think some reporters would hate that because they kind of thrive off of that face-to-face, in-person uh, encounter. Um, you know, they, they get they build rapport with players, with off-the-record conversations, stuff like that. You know, for my sake, it was a little bit more practical because, you know, I was able to do interviews over the phone, interviews uh, with players through Zoom, stuff like that. So, we still got everything we needed to get. We just got it in a different way. Um, and, and yeah, so that, that's, that was probably the biggest thing for me, just not being around the guys, not being on the, the team travel itinerary, stuff like that. I mean, I felt like in years past, you felt like you're really engaged with the team, a part of the team. Whereas this year I felt more like I was just covering the team. Yeah. And that can save you the travel of a season, like you mentioned, but also, Jonah and I were just talking about the price for that Buffalo game. You would get that experience as part of your job. I'm pretty sure Jonah was telling me, is that $10,000, $12,000 for a ticket? Yeah, just for one ticket. <laughs> See? Yeah, plus you got to pay for a you COVID test to get in, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's crazy. Anyway, getting into this 2020 uh, season that we just had, uh, obviously this is your second time on our podcast. We're very pleased that we were able to have you on before the season started. And we were basically able to set down some expectations for the season, talk about a bunch of different guys, uh, different players. So we, we want to play a game right now where we're going to give you probably 30 seconds, 45 seconds. We're just going to say the player's name and we want you to tell the, you to tell us what you thought of their season and how they stacked up with your expectations for them coming in. All right. First player, Darius Leonard. Yeah. I mean, right on par. I mean, the guy is over a hundred tackles again. 
um, you know, great season, uh, pro bowler. And so it, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, coming out, I think probably later on this week, or at least heading into the weekend and years past, this is the weekend where the um, all pro announcements come out first team, all pro second team, all pro. Uh, so he's right in line with that. And, um, you know, he holds himself to such a high standard in terms of the impact plays, right? We're talking about sacks and, you know, strip fumbles and fumble recoveries and picks. He's had a great season as far as being in the right place at the right time. And I think DeForest Buckner has really helped him kind of roam free and, and make more plays in terms of the tackles. I mean, the guy's averaging like 10 tackles per game for his career, which is just ridiculous. Um, but he's, again, never satisfied. And he'll tell you, like, he wish he has more impact plays, uh, you know, like the, the turnover uh the turnover plays like again the strip sacks the fumbles and, and things like that so a great season by everybody's standards uh by Darius Leonard's standards he probably wishes he could have done more but he's probably still going to be you know either first team or second team all pro all right you just mentioned him uh DeForest Buckner yeah uh he is uh, this is not hyperbole this is not an exaggeration he is the best defensive tackle the Colts have ever had I mean, without a doubt, um, the Colts had 25 takeaways this year on defense. DeForest Buckner was on the field for every single one of them. Uh, I mean, he just makes such a gigantic impact. Uh, he can rush the passer from the interior. And when you can do that, it, it changes your defense. It really does. I mean, the guy had nine and a half sacks this year that set a Colts record for sacks by a defensive tackle in franchise history. Um, so again, he is just one of the best players at his position in the NFL, maybe the second best defensive lineman uh, behind only Aaron Donald, um, which is really, really saying something. So he's just a stud. Uh, the Colts um, have reaped the reward of, of trading for him back in uh, back in March, and it, it really has just paid off. I mean, the Colts are number two against the run. Nobody's been able to run the ball against them except for Derrick Henry since 2018. And last I checked, he's not going to be lining up for the Buffalo Bills coming up on Saturday. So that bodes well for the Colts in this game. But the Colts have a top five rushing defense for the first time since 1971. And a big reason why is number 99. All right, the tight end room, we, we talked about it. We said Jack Doyle, he's solid. We knew what we were going to get from him. We, you had high expectations for Trey Burton and also Mo Ali Cox. So those two guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the tight ends uh, collectively as a group have been really, really solid. And, you know, from an expectation standpoint, um, you know, during training camp from the practices that we were able to see in person uh, early on, Philip Rivers was going to Trey all the time. And that kind of calmed down here. And I, I think for the most part, this offense has been kind of spread it out. It's been, uh, you know, the responsibilities have been kind of delegated a little bit. We, we've seen that week to week where, you know, one week it's Michael Pittman going over 100 yards. It's Zach Pascal going over 100. It's Jonathan Taylor running the ball all over the place. So I think just based on the matchups, uh, guys will kind of, you know, peak and, 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 and uh, dominate the game based on how the game is, is being uh, played and, and what the defense is allowing the Colts to take. So, yeah, those two guys, Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox, have been, incredibly steady 
Obviously, both of them are incredible uh, blockers in the running game, and I, and I don't think you can understate that because the Colts have turned themselves into one of the best rushing teams heading into the playoffs, which is very, very important when you get into January football. Uh, so both guys um, had to kind of accept new roles this year, and both guys kind of adapted pretty quickly, especially Jack Doyle, because Jack was used to you know, somewhere around 60 catches a year. Didn't have that this year, but I, I would still say based on what this offense asked of him this year, based on the you know playmakers around him, he performed his uh, role very, very well. All right, lastly, the man who just set the, uh, I believe the Colts single game rushing yards record, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? Uh, Jonathan Taylor hit a little bit of a speed bump there in the month of November, right? I mean, I mentioned at the beginning of this talking about no OTAs, no offseason, no preseason, all, you know, all that was kind of just washed out. You know, even for a guy like Jonathan Taylor that was so prolific in college at Wisconsin, he needed some of that to kind of get used to running the ball out of the shotgun formation, get used to this offensive line, just get used to life in the NFL. And once he got through that little speed bump, uh, bump in the month of November, man, this guy's last six-game stretch here has just been, I mean, unprecedented almost. Uh, rushed for at least 74 yards in six straight games. That's the longest in streak uh, for a running back since Ezekiel Elliott in 2018. Averaging over 120 yards in the last six games. He ranked second in the NFL in that time behind only Derrick Henry. Um, you know, he's got a rushing touchdown now in four straight games. So he's incredibly honed in and he took a bad stretch of football in the month of November and turned it into, uh, you know, a, a leader in terms of uh, rushing the football among rookies in 2020. And he finished third in the NFL this year and rushing among all players. So um, he, I think, has a chance to be a really, really special running back and maybe the best running back potentially the Colts have ever had. And that's really saying something because they've had Hall of Famers and, you know, Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk and Edron James. Uh, it was kind of one of those years for the Colts. I feel like they had some several signature wins, but then there were a lot of games where fans were like, what was that? Like, you just didn't know, really know what to say about it. And the one that I remember for that is, Week one, not a great start to the season when you drop one to Jacksonville. And then when you take a beating the second time through against Tennessee, then there's also games like the Green Bay game and the other Tennessee game where it's like this team, this could be a contending team. Was there a game for you that stood out in a sense like, yeah, this is the identity and this is the team that like that could be contending later on in the year? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Uh, for me, there's two of them. The first one uh, is the first Tennessee game because the Colts, you remember, I, I, kind of correlating with Jonathan Taylor, that month of November for the Colts, that was just murderer's row. That was a gauntlet. It started with Baltimore, then at Tennessee. Uh, then you had Green Bay, then Tennessee again, right? That So that was your month in November. So pretty much all playoff teams in that stretch. So Baltimore, Colts got off to a really good start in the first half. Second half, they faded, and I thought, you know, give Baltimore credit because they won. They made the plays uh, to win, but I thought the Colts, I just thought they faded a little bit in that second half, and they didn't put their best foot forward. And after that, they had to go on the road on a short week. They had to travel to Tennessee. It was a really important game because at that point in time, well, both times they played Tennessee, they were tied for the division lead. Um, but they went down there and everybody kept saying, you know, that was kind of the point in the year where 
all right, is this Colts team for real? Have they just beat up on a lot of bad teams early on in the season? Like how, how legitimate is this Colts team? And they, that was their only primetime game of the season. So they kind of exploited that and uh, got a huge win uh, in front of a national audience on the road and beat Tennessee. And then the week after that is the game that I'm talking about. That's Green Bay. Um, so I, I thought, you know, if, if you go back, I'm not cherry picking games here, but if you go back the last two years now, uh, the Colts since 2019, they've beaten both number one seeds uh, in the respective conferences heading into these playoffs, right? And the Chiefs and the Packers. So that's good. You, you feel good about that. But at the same time, to your point, you've also lost in that same stretch. You've lost two games of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had a game where you had all kinds of mistakes against the Cleveland Browns. That's probably the second game I'll point to where you feel like you had a good chance to win, uh, but you didn't because you primarily beat yourself instead of the other team just you know straight up beating you. Um, so, yeah, the, the Colts are a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. That being said, in these last, uh, you know, seven or eight games, they're playing some really good football. And, you know, the, the second half in uh, Pittsburgh notwithstanding. Um, so I like their chances heading into the playoffs because for the most part, they're playing complimentary football. Um, they just need to get some things figured out going on on, on defense in the back end. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I think this is a pretty solid team that's built pretty well under Chris Ballard. That's really got, a, I think, a pretty good chance to make some noise starting on Saturday. We are going to pause right there for a quick advertisement. We hope you're enjoying this show. Thank you. Jonah, do you know what is ridiculously fast? What's that, Andrew? Endeavor Communications Internet Speeds. That's right. In Indiana, basketball is everything. And if you're anything like Andrew and I, you are always streaming basketball, your favorite sports, or just your favorite shows. And hey, you're always going to need Wi-Fi. Ridiculously fast. Endeavor Communications provides Wi-Fi perfect for watching the big game, streaming your favorite shows, working, studying, and gaming all at the same time. Not only is Endeavor fast, but when you go with Endeavor, you support the whole community. Endeavor Communications is proud to serve and support our local community. From homes, education, businesses, Endeavor will keep you ahead of the game. You can find out more and see for yourself at weendeavor.com. That's weendeavor.com. And tell them Small Town Sports Talk sent you. You mentioned mentioned kind of the the fade, the fade in the second half for me. Just we, We saw that several times this year. Uh, like what do the Colts have to do to like say avoid doing that in Buffalo? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the fades, uh, just to kind of put it generally, I think the fade kind of correlates or coincides with lack of aggression and, you know, maybe subconsciously, uh, you know, that, that has occurred. I think, you know, no one, no one wants it to, to occur. And I don't think anybody is, is doing anything different to invoke it. Um, it's just a, a bunch of guys that, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I've heard Philip Rivers say twice after the last couple of games, like we couldn't get the momentum back, no matter what we did. Uh, we were just kind of fighting uphill. So you have to be able to kind of fight through that a little bit in this postseason because, you know, obviously Pittsburgh's really good, um, with Ben Roethlisberger in the second half, you know, they, the light bulb kind of went off for them offensively. But if you go through a bad, you know, you know, let, let's say a six minute stretch where to in the third quarter to start the fourth quarter, you know, you just, you're not playing complimentary football or you have some uh, meltdowns on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, that's, that's good enough right there. That, that little stretch is good enough to get you beat. Uh, the margin for error against all of these playoff teams is going to be incredibly, incredibly small. I mean, 
You're talking about a Buffalo team that's won nine of their last 10, six in a row. I mean, every single team in the AFC playoff field won 11 games, right? I mean, that's the only the second time ever that every single team in a conference heading into the postseason won 11 games. The only other time was 1980. Um, so I think this is going to be the most competitive uh, AFC field that we've seen, obviously, in a long, long time. And I, I really don't think it matters what seed you get. I don't really think it matters where these games are played because, you know, the home field advantage is basically just uh, thrown out the window. I mean, in fact, in the regular season, the road teams won one more game all year than the home teams. It's the first time that's ever happened in the history of the league. And that's because crowds are down, obviously. Um, so this, if there ever was a year to just kind of get in and secure your spot in the dance, this is it. And anything can happen. Now it just comes down to execution and, there's not a ton of separation between the number one seed and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the seven seed and the Indianapolis Colts. There's only a three-game difference. And like I said, in the last two years, the Colts have beaten both uh, the Chiefs and the Packers, who are the number one seed. So they've got a legitimate chance. Now they just got to put their best foot forward. Now, Matt, before we jump into some of those playoff matchups, the Bills and potentially the Chiefs, I gotta, it'd be a shame if I didn't ask you about Phillip Rivers after his first season with the Colts. Uh, when we sat down earlier for our first podcast before the season, we said that Phillip Rivers could still go and win you a football game uh, in a shootout on his arm. We'd read that they could go as far as Phillip Rivers takes them. So in his first season as a Colt, did our expectations, did they come to fruition for Phil Rivers? Well, mine did, because um, I thought he was going to have a, quintal, a quintessential Philip Rivers type season, and that's exactly what he did, in my opinion. I mean, we're talking about a guy that finished 10th in passing yards, over 4,100 yards, 12th in completions. He was elite in completion percentage. I mean, he had the second highest completion percentage in the history of the franchise this past year. Uh, yards per attempt was way up compared to what it was last year, uh, you know, in terms of what the Colts had. I mean, it was over seven, hovering around eight. Um, so, yeah, in my opinion, this is exactly – Philip Rivers gave them exactly what I thought they, were, they would get. Um, it, it just goes back to last year. I mean, you were seven and nine, and you had an elite – level running attack and that that got you a two game under 500 record and i'm saying you, you can't i'm not saying you don't have to run the ball because you absolutely do but you've got to be able to throw the ball in the nfl to have success like you just do right that is a prerequisite you have to be able to throw in this league and i may have mentioned this last time i was on but you know in 2019 the colts would lose a lot of unique games unique in the sense where they would rush for 150 yards, win time of possession, not turn the football over, win the turnover battle. They would lose. Like, that's hard to do. And a reason why is because they just had very low efficiency in the passing game, right? I mean, there would be games last year where their longest completion would be 14 yards. And so they finished 30th in passing, 30th in explosive plays in the passing game. This year, all of those numbers are top 10. Um, you know, so this guy just knows exactly where he's supposed to go with the football. He has complete mastery of the playbook. The intelligence is still there. Obviously, the the accuracy in the decision making is there. And those were the two biggest weaknesses um, of this passing game last year, accuracy and decision making. And so you've got a major upgrade from 2019. And the, again, the, the best part about what's happened lately is that you're getting great play at, at the quarterback position, and now it's being coupled with 
the running game is coming back, right? As I said, in the last five games, the Colts are averaging almost 170 yards. Jonathan Taylor is peaking and this offensive line is clicking. So now you're, you're talking about, you know, pick your poison within this offense. How do you want to get beat that given Sunday, right? Do you want to stack the box and have Phillip Rivers pick you apart? Or do you play back and play coverage? And Jonathan Taylor is getting seven and eight yards of carry. So it's going to be fun to, to watch this team in the postseason. And again, I think Phillip Rivers has delivered on every, I don't want to use the word promise because no one was promised anything, but how I thought he would play coming in is exactly what you got this past season. You mentioned it postseason Colts play at one Oh five this Saturday in Buffalo. Luckily for the Colts, I don't think it's supposed to be any snow in the forecast. Uh, just kind of a more broad question. Just what are a couple keys to the game against this Buffalo team? Yeah, well, Buffalo's on fire uh, offensively. Um, this might be outside of Kansas City, uh, the best offense in the AFC. Um, they're putting up, you know, around 30 points per game. Uh, that number is up to around 38 in the last four. Um, you know, they put up 56 on Miami last week and they made it look easy. Uh, Josh Allen is having a terrific season, basically broke every major passing category or passing record uh, for the Bills this past season. Um, you know, when you kind of dive a little bit deeper, deeper to me, uh, the, the things that stand out as, as far as their offense, third down, they are number one in the NFL in third down conversions, and that's helped them be really good in time of possession. They're third in the NFL and hanging on to the ball. So they're going to score. Um, so what you can't do is have long, you can't, you can't give up long drives and, uh, points at the end of those drives, right? It has to be either one of one or the other. So you got to get some stops. Um, so I think winning time of possession for the Colts is going to be huge. I, I think, you know, that old cliche where your offense can be some of your best defense in this game. Also red zones really big because uh, the Buffalo defense is not good inside the red area. They're 28th inside the 20 yard line. So you got to get sevens instead of threes in this game especially with how good they are on offense. So I think those are some of the generic keys. Um, but, yeah, you, you're going to have to make some plays defensively on Josh Allen because, you know, he's not like he's not like Patrick Mahomes and he's not like, um, you know, Russell Wilson or, or Deshaun Watson where they're just trying to get out. They're begging to get out, but he can get out. And when he is out, he's deceptively athletic. He's fast. Um, he moves well. And the guy can throw. He's kind of like a shortstop. He can throw with all these different arm angles. He's got a bazooka for a right arm. He can throw it anywhere on the field uh, behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so he's really impressive as far as that goes. I think it's a really big game for the edge players for the Colts. You know, guys like Justin Houston and Danico Autry. Keep him in the well, as they say. And then, obviously, the inside pass rush from DeForest Buckner is going to be ha have to be big in this game. Uh, but defensively, you're going to have to make some stops uh, because what you can't do is give them, you know, 11, 12 possessions because they've shown in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, they can score eight or nine touchdowns a game. If, if, if they do that, it's basically over. Uh, so time of possession, third down and red zone are going to be key. Now I'm loving your optimistic view on the Colts. Uh, getting that seven seed, uh, like if this is the postseason to do it, it, it like it's this one. Um, but do you think home field advantage will play any role in this year's playoffs? Not really. 
No, I mean, I just don't. I, I, I mean, Buffalo is going to have like 7,000 fans, uh, which obviously is big for them. That's a major upgrade over no fans, which has been the case up there all year. But that's still not enough in an outdoor stadium in the middle of the day. That's not enough to make the Colts go silent count or, you know, affect anything they're going to do. Um, so, I, no, I, I just don't. Like I said, I mean, home teams this year went 127, 128, and 1. It, it just it didn't matter. It didn't matter where these games were played, it, you know. So uh, I think that's going to carry over in the postseason. And, you know, this is the first year ever for expanded playoffs, first year ever for a seven seed. So why not the Colts be the first seven seed ever to, you know, go to the conference championship and, and go to the Super Bowl? I mean, it can be done. Uh, because, I mean, even the Kansas City Chiefs have their warts. I mean, no one's perfect. No one's unbeatable. Um, and so if you look at this Buffalo Bill team, you know, obviously the strength of their team is is offense defensively. I know they're playing better here as of late, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're talking about a team that's middle of the road stopping the run. And if you win this game, Kansas City's even worse at stopping the run. So it doesn't matter. I just don't think home field advantage matters at all here in these 2020 playoffs because. It just boils down to execution, and whoever plays better that day is going to win. Um, what obviously that sounds that sounds so obvious, but this year it just it, it it it's so true. Where home field advantage is basically just it's it's gone by the wayside because you're playing in these empty stadiums, and all the pressure is is on these higher seeds with these lower seeds coming in, knowing that you know a, a major you know feather in their cap is gone uh with the with the crowds and and all the noise and all the ruckus not being there in existence this year uh, and i want to know from you what do you think of the new playoff bracket with super wild card weekend and only the one seed sitting a uh, first round by well i mean obviously if you're a colts fan you know you're incredibly happy for it because you know had they you know, if it was a six uh, team field, the Colts would have been the fourth team in the Super Bowl era to go 11 and five and, and miss out on the postseason. So thank goodness for the seven seed this year. Um, so, yeah, it, it's fun. It's, I'm all for more football, you know. So, I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, this time last year when we were talking about expanded playoff fields, uh, a lot of people are saying, well, do we really need to expand it? I mean, it's kind of it's, it's perfect how it is. Um, you know, we, 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 uh, run the risk of letting in a team that's going to be nine and seven or eight and eight. Do we want to water down the field? Well, at least, at least through one year, we don't have to worry about that because again, this AFC field, uh, is just epic. And again, I think that a lot of the teams that were in the, the, you know, like Miami and Cleveland and Baltimore, like these, these are teams that are not going anywhere. You know, these are these are teams that are going to be in the in the hunt for playoff spots uh, for the very foreseeable future. And so you've got that. But again, all of these teams had maybe one or two more wins than they maybe would have gotten in normally because of the home fields. Right. I mean, how many how many more wins did Cleveland get on the road this year? Then maybe they would have in a normal year. I just point to home field advantage not being nearly as uh, prolific as it has been in the past, kind of leading to so many teams having 10 and 11 wins this past season. So I think it's going to be fun going forward to kind of monitor that. I don't think we're going to be, you know, 11 wins. I don't think we're going to have, you know, eight teams with 10 wins next season when we get to the postseason. But I do think that, you know, seven teams make it uh, more interesting. 
more games on wild card weekend. Only one team gets the buy. I'm all for that. And again, at the end of the day, I'm all for more football and more teams having a chance to uh, get to the ultimate goal. Obviously, one thing that matters in any sport is injuries and who's on the field. And for the Bills, uh, Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley, both questionable, but the Colts have some injuries of their own. Buckner is questionable. No Kari Willis, no Rocky scene. And then obviously no Costanzo. Uh, Costanzo has been kind of one of those interesting things that we've had to encounter these last couple of games. How do you see the Colts filling that gap against the Bills? Because we've we've heard Frank Reich talk about potentially moving Nelson over, or bringing in the backups. Like what? What are the Colts going to have to do to keep that offensive line sturdy against Buffalo? Yeah, it's going to be Jared Veld here. Uh, he's going to start at left tackle on Saturday, just like he did against Jacksonville last Sunday. Really impressive guy. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys were following along on his story, but um, they tried to get him in town and, and through the uh, COVID protocol before that Steelers game. They just didn't have enough time, not enough days to uh, to make that happen. And they really I mean, I mean, obviously the Colts did a lot of things to lose that game, but it, it would have been really nice to have him on uh, the left side. And then maybe you could have put somebody else at right tackle against uh, JJ Watt. But um, really impressive that he came in here. I uh, was able to join the team and start practicing last Thursday. And so he practiced Thursday and Friday and then started uh, in an NFL game after not playing all year, uh, played in his first game since the NFC title game about this time last year in, in January 2020. So really, really, I mean, just impressive guy because he stayed in shape that whole time. Um, he was coaching high school football on the side in his hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so to be able to kind of just join a team right on the fly and uh, cram the playbook and then execute at a very, very high level. I mean, no sacks allowed and obviously did very, very well in the run game blocking for uh, Jonathan Taylor. Just a pretty cool story. So he's a veteran, really, really good. Uh, as I said, uh, stays in terrific shape uh, on his own. So uh, I don't think there's going to be anything where you have to worry about him acclimating to, uh, you know, four quarters of high intensity football or anything like like that. But yeah, I mean, not without uh, without Anthony Costanzo. I mean, uh, you know, the Colts have had um, relatively low success. It kind of goes without saying. But uh, I think having a guy like Veld here in here um, kind of calms down the stress without Costanzo because they're going to keep Quentin Nelson at left guard. Um, it's better to kind of, for lack of a better term, move one guy or have one guy uh, – be impacted instead of two right because if you move nelson out to left tackle you have a new left tackle and a new left guard if that makes sense um so right. i like what they're doing and uh i think it's going to work uh, because veld here is a, a seasoned pro and uh guy with a lot of uh football iq and so i don't think it's going to be uh, tremendously hard for him to uh get geared up both mentally and physically ready for a uh, huge one and done playoff game well, I know Jonah and I are both super excited. We share your opti optimism for this Colts uh, game coming up on Saturday at 1 o'clock, so uh, looking forward to it. Uh, so we, before we get to our 60-second speed round, we want to ask you a couple of questions around the NFL. Uh, so just real quick, uh, who's your lead MVP? Uh, I'd probably have to say Rodgers. Probably have to say Rodgers. Okay. Um, and, you know, the thing about – just doing all this prep work on Josh Allen. I mean, in a normal year, 
I mean, he's the MVP because he's got yeah. all of the rushing stuff. I mean, uh, with with his numbers this year, I looked it up with with his numbers, um, both passing and rushing. The only three players that have ever matched it all went on to win the MVP. Uh, I think you, you're talking about Russell. No, I'm, uh, hold on. It's Lamar Jackson, Steve Young, and one other. Let me let me see if I can pull this up because it's very very fascinating to me. Um, because I, it, all this being said, he's he's not going to win the MVP. Um, considering, uh, let's see here, he's the first player in NFL history with 4,500 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, and five rushing touchdowns in a single season. Um, and that's still not going to be good enough to uh, to bring home the MVP. So um, I would say Aaron Rodgers, just because his passing numbers, his touchdown numbers have been so prolific this season. Um, so I'm going to go him. But, yeah, Josh Allen is probably going to get snubbed for having maybe the best uh, single game or single season uh, quarterback performance in Buffalo Bills history, and he won't have anything you know nationally to show for it. I know I definitely would have done with Patrick Mahomes there. I'm curious what you think here. Who is the Colts MVP? Ooh, that's a great question, man. I think you go with a lot of guys. I really do. I think you go with a lot of guys. Um, uh, by the way, the, the other guy I was looking for, I was looking for Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, and Steve Young. All of those guys won the MVP. Uh, the season they put up numbers uh, like Josh Allen and Josh Allen's not going to win it uh, for the Colts, man. You could argue Phillip rivers because you know, the um, just, you know, the intangibles that he's brought in um, like, you know, uh, leadership and kind of that calming force. Um, so I think there's something to be said for that. Jonathan Taylor, uh, Darius Leonard. If, if you're going to make me pick right now, I'm going to say DeForest Buckner just because defensively, he has set the tone so much for the strength of their defense in stopping the run. You know, obviously you want to be a complete defense and you want to be good at slowing down the run and you want to be good against the pass. But if you got to pick one, you want to be good against the run, right? You want to be good against the run. Uh, that way you can potentially, you know, force teams into third and long and, and get after the quarterback with your pass rushers. So, Again, he's just made all the difference in the world as far as that. I mean, no, nobody's been able to run the ball this year on the Colts, again, outside of Tennessee. So I'm going to say DeForest Buckner because what he has meant to this team in terms of their takeaway ability when he's on the field and, you know, just clogging up the middle with uh, double teams in the running game and getting after the quarterback from the interior with those nine and a half sacks. Yeah, I would agree. DeForest Buckner is my Colts MVP for sure. Um, now I, I know one more before we get to that 60 second speed round. Can we get one more impersonation from the man himself, <laughs> Matt Taylor? Where do you want to go? Oh, goodness. Well, uh, we heard Don Fisher, Marv Albert, uh, they were both on ST squared last time around. Uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, maybe another one of those NBA guys. Uh, yeah, those are those are always the staples. Those are always. I mean, you know, Marv is just classic, Marvelicious, right? I mean, cl calling it a calling it an NBA game, right? Remember back in the day on uh, NBC, it's the NBA on on NBC. Hold on, you good? All right, sorry, my I had a question there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, remember back in the day, you get ready for a, like a classic Pacer Bulls game, right? Between Reggie Miller and, and Michael Jordan. It's, it's the NBA on NBC live at the United Center. It's the Indiana Pacers and Reggie Miller taking on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Hi, everybody. This is Marv Albert brought to you by Geico, where 15 minutes saves you 15% or more on car insurance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great one. I now don't no shame. If you can't this, get this one, you can't be everybody, but do you think you could pull out a Mark James by chance? Oh man. No, there's only one Mark, man. There's only one <laughs> Mark. No, Mark is classic. Mark is awesome. No, there's, there's only one Mark. I mean, if you get Mark, uh, that's that's something to strive to uh, to to person to impersonate, right? I mean, if you get like the uh, the last fifty laps of the Indianapolis Five Hundred, get Mark in one of those turns, describing guys coming down to the apron and the with the apex and all that stuff. The the great description. Now, nah, there's only one Mark James, man. That's for sure. He's awesome. Absolutely. All right, Jonah, hit it away. All right, so sixty second second speed round. You know how it works. You did it last time. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and start in like three two one all right uh the best piece of a brownie is at the middle edge or the corner corner all right if you were given a million dollars what would your first purchase be time machine um favorite non-colts player to watch Ooh, great question um mm, mm. man um current or in the past yeah, whatever you want hmm Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll stick with Russell, Russell Wilson. Okay. If you weren't broadcasting sports, how would you make a living? I'd be a chiropractor. Uh, what's your favorite food? Mm. Uh, pizza. Okay, perfect. So then does pineapple belong on a pizza? Absolutely not. <laughs> Is a hot dog considered a sandwich? Yeah, no. <laughs> that's gonna do it um, how about that for an answer <laughs> you hit both ask, right ask there. me if batman's a superhero is batman a superhero <laughs> he is not he is a rich vigilante <laughs> matt taylor everyone again thank you so much for joining us ahead of the nfl playoffs <laughs> my pleasure guys thanks matt, so much for having me can we just get your prediction for this Saturday's game? Maybe a score prediction. Uh, I don't do I don't do predictions. I, I'll just predict that. I'll just predict that it's a good game. I really do. All I right. think it's going to be a good. I mean, I know, uh, you know, as far as all the wild card games are concerned, it's probably the one that has the highest point spread based on the odds makers. I think it's going to be a much better game than that. I'll just say that. Absolutely. Well, a good damn sounds like a Colts win to Jonah and I. So we'll take that for Matt Taylor's prediction. One of our favorite guests to have on. Uh, definitely one of our favorite interviews that we've done. So thank you so much for coming on again. Again, thank you to all of our listeners for listening. Uh, make sure to check out all of our podcasts. Uh, Small Town Sports Talk, that can be found on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. For Jonah Freeman, I'm Andrew Willett. And this week, uh, Matt Taylor. That's a secret.